I gained 45 pounds over four months. Let me explain why. My name is Clint Riggin. I'm the founder and CEO of Limitless Coaching, inspired to help people worldwide. In 2018, I competed in my last bodybuilding competition and my thyroid went underactive. And that is when I soon knew how important your hormones truly are. Limitless Coaching is partnered with the number one HRT therapy clinic in the world, Aspired Rejuvenation. We provide you the blood work, the telehealth consultation, and have your medication prescribed and sent within one week. If you feel your hormones are keeping you from being the best version of yourself, please visit the website, Live Limitless llc.com and fill out the short form below and one of our team members will reach out to you shortly we are here to help we get one life on earth our actions in that lifetime create ripple effects that cause many different outcomes what kind of impact will you make will you join those who have found the secret to mastering their legacy or will the ripples you make have no effect on this generation or those to come this podcast is dedicated to all with an interest in creating a legacy to last for generations. Welcome to Master Your Legacy with your host, Mike Taylor. And welcome to week four of the Master Your Legacy podcast. I'm Mike Taylor and Four weeks into this podcast, we've had some really great guests on so far with some really great stories, and it's all about mastering your legacy. Of course, mastering your legacy is kind of the end of it all because there are so many things that you do in order to master your legacy. It's kind of like the the grand finale of it all. When your legacy has been mastered, that's like when you see the fireworks show and boom, 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 boom. And that's the one that resonates with people. That's the one that, that people talk about for generations if you do it right. And if you live a certain way, always do your best. Be good to people. You can leave a great legacy. There's so much more to it, but it's a lot simpler at the same time. And I think Jerry can relate to what I'm saying here. I have uh, Jerry Gherkin on the podcast for episode four of the Master Your Legacy podcast. Hi, Jerry. Uh, from what hey, I understand, you have a pretty extensive story, and uh, I'm excited to hear it tonight, man. Yeah, I want to. I want to touch on your uh, your intro, though. You know, you talk about a legacy, and and I when I think of a legacy, I think of a legacy that lasts hundreds of years. Yeah, it's not just a couple decades or something. You know, it, it's something that, and, and that's very very difficult to accomplish. Um, it, and I think there's a very small percentage of of humankind that can understand what it truly takes to make a legacy because if you if just in a simple simple thought process if you have if you ask uh, one of your buddies who won the Super Bowl five years ago unless it was their team they're right. they're not going to be able to recall you know but at that time in that moment of time it's like the biggest thing and you're you're focused on it and you're the fan and you're this and that and you're like rooting for them but now, at this point in time, you're like, uh, I don't know who that Super Bowl champion was. So when you talk about a legacy. And these guys won it, the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Our, in our era right now, that's, that, that's just like the, the pinnacle of success. But when you build a legacy that transcends generations in hundreds and hundreds of years, there's only one, one person that I can even think of that has done that. And that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's, that's it. I mean, really, I mean, if you really put some thought into it, there's only one person that ever walked this earth that has a true, true, true legacy that's transcended thousands of years. So when you're trying to build this legacy and how do you master your legacy? It's about the human interaction and how you change people's lives one at a time not hundreds at a time. It's one at a time and how you make them feel and not what you say. That's going to help them pass on the knowledge and information. And maybe not your name, but the knowledge and information that you shared with them that maybe altered and shifted the trajectory of their life that can make a difference in somebody else's life. And a legacy does not have to be words. A legacy can be tradition. There are many forms of legacy. It's not it's not just one thing. There are many aspects to legacy as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in a small farmer community. I was adopted when I was 18 months old, and I was extracted from a volatile environment in inner city Toledo, single mom, couple kids. She didn't have medical insurance, and I was put into foster care for 18 months, and then eventually 
um, adopted by a family that lived in a rural area with 3,000 people and a German descent. Um, and every Sunday, we would go to my grandparents' house, and they made their own wine, and they did the same thing every Sunday. We had lunch together, fellowship together, drank wine. I remember drinking wine, dude, when I was like six years old. That's why I had these these old glasses that that had like the purplish cast to them that were from the old country and we would sit around and they would pass around wine to everybody it didn't matter what age you were you got wine because this is that we're at grandma and grandpa's house or at my parents house whatever and that that was just tradition you know that's that's just what they did and that was customary so yeah, I, I get what you're saying about tradition too. You know, you think about Notre Dame, you think about a, a number of different sports teams and you always, I guess a lot of people relate tradition to sports teams, but there's a lot of tradition in, in every other area. Yeah, especially a lot of family traditions and that kind of thing. And then the other thing when it comes to legacy artists, artists are able to to, to leave long legacies. You think of uh, Beethoven, you think of Shakespeare, and, and we're only going back, what, three or 400 years on those artists. I mean, when yeah, you, dude. I mean, you, you, you think Christ. about you think about music in in general, and I think everybody, all the listeners, can relate to this. I mean, you you hear a song and it takes you somewhere in your life, in your history. I remember, um, I had my second car I ever had was a '76 Trans Am, and it had an eight track player in it. And my high school wrestling coach was ten years younger than me, and he had a bunch of eight tracks, and I didn't want to mess up the integrity of the car. So I was like, hey, Greg, you got some A-tracks I can borrow? And he gave me, a, I don't know, a cardboard box full of A-tracks. And one of them was Boston's Don't Look Back. And so wow. to this day, I'm, I'm a huge Boston fan. I can't believe they're not in the Hall of Fame. Listen right. to me, be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but I can, every time I listen to that or like Def Leppard, yeah. uh, Pyromania, you know, it, it takes me to a place in time and memories and so the same thing with what you're talking about as far as like music is so so powerful and we can use that and like that doggone stair stepper at planet fitness i hate that mother effing thing <laughs> i hate it but if i put on eminem lose yourself i can do that thing because it's just it's just like blasting my that, brain and yeah. like let's go i'm gonna i'm gonna own this thing and it, you know you know you only get one shot do not miss your chance to blow because opportunity comes once in a lifetime and i'm just like come on let's go and i can f go through the pain because i'm listening to the music and you know it's, one, it's one, like it moves through song. you yeah yeah, I, I, I got the music in me. That's a song. You know, I got the music in me. I got the music in me. So th those are cool things that we can, we can. And uh, I was listening to, uh, well, I was at um, Apex and it was back in May. And uh, Danny Galvin, was it Danny Galvin? No, Danny, hmm, eh, sh shit. I can't remember. I'm, I apologize. But uh, he was talking about, what he does in preparation every morning before he goes into work and he listens to some things. And then before like eight minutes and maybe it was Stuman that was talking about it, but like, like the first, the last eight minutes before he gets to work, he switches it into a music that's a pump and it's like, okay, yeah, get jacked up about this stuff and it just change your changes your mindset. So yeah, I'm, I'm going on a little bit, but I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on about, um, these different different uh, traditions that can can help, and it's it's so. Wild. I mean, we don't hear a lot about politicians. I mean, presidents, I guess, leave a legacy. I mean, a lot of people could go back and name most of the pre presidents, if not all, throughout time. Senators and congressmen rarely rarely leave a legacy that that people know about. Then you have people like Martin Luther King, who will leave a long legacy, and he has left quite a legacy. There there have been some great people throughout the generations. But they are the greatest of the great, you know, to, to actually master your legacy and, and be the, the greatest of the great. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Well, I, I think to your point, it, it's, it's ab absolutely valid. But I think that the reason why the legacy is carried on is because it's forced. Um, you know, we, we have Martin Luther King Day, so it's, it's forced. 
But true, yeah. You know, I'm listening to Tim Glover in in Relentless recently, and he's talking about Michael Jordan, and he was Michael Jordan's trainer for 15 years, and he talks about coolers, closers, and cleaners, and the different types of people. And Michael Jordan, for you and me, is one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived. Right. Yeah. But for three or four generations down the road, if we don't have a Michael Jordan day every year and we represent and we listen about how great Michael Jordan basketball player was, he doesn't have a legacy with the next generations moving forward. So the legacy that is forced um, with, you know, whatever it is, all, all the different ones, I'm not going to pinpoint Mark Martin Luther King day, because that's just what you brought up, but there's a lot of them out there that we have these, reoccurring remembrances, you know, 9-11. I mean, we're going right. to remember 9-11 for a long time because we keep revisiting it because we should, and we should talk about it, and we should make the next generation remember what the... It was a shell-shocking day for our country. I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah I mean, anybody world. that yeah. was, was of age, if you ask them what you were doing on 9-11, oh, they I remember. Know. Oh, yeah. They I was, remember. I, I was and, supposed and, to go do a roofing job in St. Louis by the airport, and the guy that came out to pick me up drove out and he said, hey, did you hear what happened at the World Trade Center? And I was like, no. I didn't even know what the World Trade Center was. I was like 18 years old, you know. And then I went in and turned it on the news and I, I found out shortly after what was going on. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the world stopped turning that day. That's That day is going to be remembered for many generations. But It'll we be remember that day and, and it's brought in front of us all the time and it's going to be brought in front of until whoever knows how long. And, and I think that it probably will be a long time. But my point is, is that these, some of these legacies aren't, aren't just because they're great. It's just because they're, there's a constant reminder and it's in your front mind awareness that that's what happened or that's what this person was or what they represented. So and, I, and that's pretty. I, and I guess, that's 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 a concept that I haven't thought about yet. And I, I just want to say something here. I I do not claim to be an expert on legacy. My this whole, the whole point of this con the whole concept of this podcast is to talk with people so we can figure out and talk with people who know much more about legacy than I do, so we can figure this out. And these are points that nobody has brought to this podcast yet. I mean, these are well, it's very, only your fourth. It's only your fourth one, so there'll, yeah, be, there'll it, be more coming. <laughs> but, but it's great, man, because this is a concept yeah. that has not been been brought out yet. This is very intriguing. So yeah. you're right, though. A lot of these legacies are forced legacies. A lot of these traditions yeah. are forced traditions. You know, when you're talking about the wine, and and uh, I'm not knocking the tradition or anything, but when you're talking about the wine, they probably had the same tradition 20 years ago, and then and that was forced on the younger people there. And before that, 20 years ago, it was forced and it was, it was for, I mean, the only, I, I can't really think of that many unforced legacies. So let me tell you a quick story because it's funny and it's going to blow your mind. So there's this couple, they just get married and they, the wife's going to make a pot roast, right? And she puts the pot roast out on the table and she takes this big butcher knife and she chops it in half and she throws half of the pot roast in the trash and she puts the other half in the pan. She puts it in and cooks it. And her new husband is like looking at her perplexed and he's like, okay, doesn't say anything. Decides to go to his new mother-in-law and say, hey, you know, Susie was making this pot roast and she cut half of it off and threw it away and then she put the other half in the pan and put it in the oven it's like is that normal and she mom said yep that's what my mom did she, he's like okay so then he goes to his new grandmother and says hey you know i was watching Susie cut this pot roast up and she cut it in half and put it into a pan and threw the other half away is that normal she's like oh no honey when i was growing up we only had one pot and it was only this big so we always cut the pot roast in half and we put it in and then we put it in the oven that's wild but because that's what they knew that's what they kept doing that's yeah. the point you know i mean it, it it's you got to get outside of your own head. You got to get outside of your own tradition, if you will, or your own legacy and look and see and make decisions for yourself. I gained 45 pounds over four months. 
Let me explain why. My name is Clint Riggin. I'm the founder and CEO of Limitless Coaching, inspired to help people worldwide. In 2018, I competed in my last bodybuilding competition, and my thyroid went underactive. And that is when I soon knew how important your hormones truly are. Limitless Coaching is partnered with the number one HRT therapy clinic in the world, Aspired Rejuvenation. We provide you the blood work, the telehealth consultation, and have your medication prescribed and sent within one week. If you feel your hormones are keeping you from being the best version of yourself, please visit the website, livelimitlessllc.com, and fill out the short form below and one of our team members will reach out to you shortly. We are here to help. If it doesn't make sense and, it, and you question it, yeah, sit back and figure it out or ask more questions. Why, why did you do that? You know, and that's what this cat did in that scenario. But, it, but it's really telling about what we do in society is because this is what happened this in my generation. And it bodes the, the point, and I talk about this in my sales training, uh, in the early stages of my sales training when I'm working with people, is about the, the, a flea. And maybe you've heard this, and maybe some of the listeners haven't, but so it might be relevant to them. So I'm just going to tell it anyway. You know, a flea can jump three feet in the air. A small little flea can jump three feet in the air. But if you take a dozen fleas and you put them in a mason jar and you put the lid on top, they'll jump, hit the top, jump, hit the top, jump, hit the top, jump, hit the top. And then you take the lid off after a little bit of time goes by, they won't jump out. And the reason why they won't jump out is because they've been conditioned to their environment. They're still capable to jump three feet in the air, just like you and I have no ceiling in what we can do. Right. But they're conditioned to the environment. So they feel like, okay, so this is my lot in life. This is what my family has done. This is where I'm at. You know, I'm from here. You know, this is all the money I can make I'm, because I, I live here. I'm, I'm, I'm from this area. Why, why should I be able to make six figures or seven figures, eight figures, whatever? Because we're conditioned and we're not. We are able to do crazy, amazing things. We are. Yeah. Everybody out we there. We suppress ourselves. We suppress ourselves because the, the thought process and what we limit ourselves to do. And it's it, the same thing with the elephant on a rope. I mean, we're talking about a gigantic beast of an animal tied three feet to a stake for so long. I mean, I guess at three feet, a little short for that, but, you know, tied to a stake for so long. Well, eventually that elephant's going to stop pulling on that and, and it's going to get used to being right there by that stake and it's not going to try to break the stake anymore. You know, and, yeah. and that's what happens when we get programmed throughout our early lives. And, and we're mostly programmed by our parents, but we're also programmed by the education system. You know, it's the same reason that uh, schools have bells in the schools. You know, there was uh, I forgot the exact term for this, but they laid out the schools like manufacturing plants and set up the system in schools to have the cinder block walls and the bells to go off at certain times because they were mimicking the manufacturing plants as much as possible. That way, the students would grow up and go work in factories. That's what they were doing. They were training people, conditioning them, just like you were talking about, to go work in factories. That's crazy. That's cool. I never heard that before, but that makes perfect sense. And I did work in a factory for about five years, and I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, the bells in that factory were almost identical to the school bells. Yeah. Or, or the, the, the cling, 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 cling in the carryout store that's remnant of the slot machine, you know? Yeah. So for me, I, I'm a, I'm a recovering gambling addict, you know, and that the slot machine thing doesn't really, I, that never really attracted me, but, but the, the tables and all this other shit that, that, that was my, my thing, but I'm glad I um, live in Texas, man. <laughs> it's too far for me to gamble. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's part of my story, dude. I mean, I, I I mean, I I've I've been through some muck and mire, and there's a lot of shit there. But um, but yeah, that that uh, that ting 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 when you go in there and you oh, yeah. pay your pay your bill, and it's like, hmm, yeah, I get you. I'm I'm beyond that now. Mentally, I've callous my mind. I don't have that. Uh, it's still there, but I'm able to to block it out. But but yeah, all those subliminal things that are out there that that uh, trigger you to do those decisions. And one of the things I have on my vision board recently that I put up, it, I'm not in my office, so you can't see my vision board, but I have a vision board in my office at my house, but I'm in my dining room right now, but uh, is do the next right thing. It's so simple. Yeah. If, if more people would adopt that philosophy, do the next right thing thing. We all know, we all have an internal compass. We know what the right thing is to do. Yeah. It's, we all have, we all have that in us. We do. It's just whether or not you want to 
take the risk versus the reward scenario, you know, is, Oh, if I do this, then will it really be that bad? Or can I, can I weather that storm if, if it all comes crashing down or can I take that risk and nobody will find out about it and Hey, Oh, it'll be cool. You know, but if, if we would all just adopt, do the next right thing, that'd be really cool. It would be the world, the world would be a much better place if everybody followed that. I mean, much better place. And, you know, we, we have a lot of influences also. We're, we're being programmed, and, and people don't realize this, and, and I, I'm seeing it more and more as we go on. Uh, we are being programmed to live other people's forced legacies. And, and I, I just put this together, too. Uh, even by the music that we listen to, if you listen to some of the lyrics and some of the music that we listen to, some of the lyrics are so terrible. It, it's like it's conditioning our minds. to, And then we sing those lyrics, and you know what happens when you repeat something. When you repeat something enough times, it gets burned into your minds. Well, when you're singing these songs, these songs are also getting burned into our minds, into our subconscious. So we start repeating those in our thought process. So if we listen to music that is not good music with terrible messages in it, guess what's resonating in our minds? Those terrible messages are resonating in our minds. It's kind of scary if you think about it, but it's yeah, everywhere turn we go. Turn off the noise, man. Turn off the noise. You know, I... I have on my also on my vision board, talk to yourself instead of listen to yourself. Because when you listen to yourself, a lot of the stuff that you listen to is chatter. That's and great. The chatter man. is yeah. negative. The chatter is negative because so you, you, you inundate your mind with positivity from podcasts, from motivational stuff, from books that you're listening or reading, you know, and so you fill your mind with that positivity and then that can crash or squash that chatter that's constantly telling you what you're not and what you don't have and what you didn't do um, on, on a reg on the regular, but it takes time and it takes effort. And, you know, um, small changes made consistently over time, make big shifts. So if we, if we can just do one little thing, you know, Stuman talks about it on, on how to crush social media stuff. You know, you just one post a day, one post a day, consistently, one live video a day, consistently. But consistency is the key. And what happens is it works and it works and then it works. And then you know what? It works so good. We quit doing it. Right. And we fall out yeah. of a good habit and we, and we start doing other stuff. And then, oh, shoot, what happened there? I forget. You know, it's like going to the gym. You go to the gym, you feel good. First couple of weeks, you're sore as hell because you're getting the shit beat out of you and you haven't done it for a while. But then you start to feel good and you start to see results. You start to get momentum and then you go on vacation for 10 days. Right. Yeah. And you're like rationalization. I'm not going to do I'm not going to work out. I'm on vacation. You know, I get to rest. And then you come back home and then now you go back to the regular routine. And it's like, man, I don't really, really want to go to the gym. I'd rather sleep a little bit more and just uh, and then you can't, it's, it's difficult to get back into it, but it's easy to keep the momentum going once Mo shows up, but it's tough to get Mo back. It is, it is. And I'm, I'm kind of going through a situation like that myself. And, uh, it, it is, man, it is, it is hard to get it back when it, whenever you, and, and you're right, you start feeling good. You start noticing the differences in your body and then something happens and it, it doesn't even have to be 10 days. It can just be a couple days to throw you off on track. But the big thing is just getting back on and keep going, you know, and it's like brushing your teeth. If you forget to brush your teeth one day, the next day you start brushing your teeth again. You don't, you say, oh, I'm just not going to brush my teeth anymore because, because <laughs> I missed the day. You somebody know? calls you butter paddles. That's why. <laughs> like, hey, man. <laughs> that's awesome. No, man. but you know what? Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the reality of the whole thing. Wherever you go, there you are. And you got to own it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how much you want me to talk about, um, my legacy, where I started, where I'm at. Where I think I'm that'd going. be awesome, man. I'd, I'd love to hear that, Jerry. Yeah. So I'll try to make it as expeditious as possible just for okay. time constraints. But, uh, you know, I, I was adopted when I was 18 months old. I was in an, like I said earlier in an inner city scenario, which I didn't know cause I was 18 months old, but. I was adopted early. I mean, I was adopted right at birth. And then I was in foster care for 18 months, which I don't have any remembering. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it, I just know what they told me. And so then I was taken out of a inner city Toledo, high crime area, single mom, two kids, and put into uh, a small farming community, raised in a Christian home. 
and I was an athlete. I was, I was a really good wrestler, really good football player. Uh, I ended up going to college on a wrestling scholarship right out of high school, and, but wasn't ready. But prior to that, I went on a trip to Central America uh, with Athletes in Action, who is affiliated with Campus Crusade for Christ. And um, I visited four countries in 46 days, and it changed, literally changed my life and trajectory and perspective internally. Externally, when I came back, I wanted to share every, all my experiences with, with my peers, but I was ridiculed and mocked because I was a Christian and I was a guy that was trying to fulfill the Great Commission. So I, as a 17-year-old would do, when your peers are making fun of you, you're kind of like, yeah, at least I was anyway. Maybe some 17-year-olds out there would be like, you know, whatever, dude, I'm, I'm, this is who I am. But I wasn't that, that person. So I went to college for a semester, wasn't ready, dropped out, uh, ended up watching the movie Top Gun and was like, man, I want to go in the military, but I don't want to be in the Navy. So I went in the Marine Corps, did nice. four years in the Marine Corps. Thank you for a, your service. Yeah, yeah. You did a tour at, uh, in uh, Desert Storm, um, had some crazy shit happen there where um, I, I, I got some injuries and um, I'm not going to dive into that too much, but um, then ended up back in the States and went to uh, Finley College is where I live. I live in Finley, Ohio. Went to Finley College on a schol- wrestling scholarship. A, a coach recruited me uh, when I was home on leave. I went and worked out with their team, and I was kicking the shit out of their heavyweight. I was about 240 at the time, and he's like, you ever think about wrestling in college? I'm like, yeah, but I got <laughs> right. to go back to the service. And so when I got out, I ended up wrestling there. Two weeks after I got out of the Marine Corps, I met my wife on three separate anonymous. And I don't know if you read my post about how we interacted on three different places. And it was crazy how God had his hand in the whole thing because um, I, I didn't get her name and number the first two times we interacted in our in our city of 70,000 people. That's I just bumped wild. into her. I just bumped into her, bumped into her. The third time I was like, this is too weird. And so then we scheduled a, an actual date. And then six months later, we got engaged. A year later, we got married, and we've been married 29 years. Wow. So, I mean, but the but the crazy cool thing about that, you know, I told you I was adopted when I was night when I was 18 months old. Yeah. So I met my biological mother when I was 19. I met my biological father when I was 26. He didn't even know I existed. She found out she was pregnant after he had left. They met at Toledo University, and he went back to Arizona. And before um, she knew she was pregnant. So she reaches out to him and she says, hey, um, what's going on? And he's like, well, I just revisited a relationship with my high school sweetheart. We just got engaged to be married. So she didn't tell him. So he didn't know I was even around. So I ended up, we, we made it work and I ended up meeting him when I was 26. But what I was getting at is this, is my wife gave up a baby for adoption when she was 14 years old. Wow. Her mother, her mother and, and stepdad wanted her to abort this baby. She's refused. 14 years old, dude. 14 years old. Do you think yeah. about what you, the kind of decision making you could have made at 14? Not me. I would, I would, shit, I can't. No. So she, she gave up and she, she gave up a baby for adoption. Um, so fast forward, I'm, uh, I'm at work and it's around Thanksgiving in 2019. And she, with our oldest daughter and she's getting these messages from this man and she's like tells our daughter tessa she's like hey i don't know what's going on here but this person keeps messaging me i don't know who he is can you delete him so our oldest daughter tessa she starts reading through the dialogue and she's like mom this is your son so that's crazy yeah wow. so the adoption all this stuff like the records have been opened up and so she hyphenates her ma- maiden name with her married name on Facebook. So she, he found her, um, his name's Ty. And we went down to, he's from Atlanta. We went and met him at uh, Gatlinburg, Ohio Gatlinburg, kind of a go-between. Meet him, meet his wife, meet his stepson, have dialogue, yada, yada. Well, his wife was a nurse and she had access to prescription drugs and they started taking prescription drugs 
and it escalated to heroin oh. and it escalated to his death. And so here is my wife who gave up a baby when she was 14 and then only to be reunited with him when he was 37 and then to lose him when she, he's 39 and she salt of the earth, man, salt of the earth, pure heart. And she's just like, you know what? At least I got a chance to meet him like real, you know, for real. When I was 14, I was, you know, I was nothing. A kid. Yeah. 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 So that's just the tip of the iceberg (laughs) as far as, uh, but what cool, the cool thing about what God did is I was, I was adopted. Right. And I met my biological mom when I was 19. I met my biological father when I was 26 and when we went down to Gatlinburg for my wife to meet her biological son, she was a wreck. But I was on the other side. She didn't know how he was re- going to respond, but I was. You him. knew. Yeah, you knew. I was him. So I was yeah. able to help her understand, you know what? He wants to meet you just as much as you want to meet him. It's, there's no judgment here. There's, there's not. It's, it's not that you gave me up. It's you made the decision and gave me an opportunity to have a quality life. Now he made some bad decisions later on, and she can't put herself on the cross for that. But right, right. But that's that's the reality of the situation, and and it's just again how how all those things, you know, the 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 anonymous encounters where I met her the first time and nothing, and I met her the second time and no exchange, and then the third time is like, wait a second, why is this? And then we get engaged and we're married, and then here we are with this. You know, God is, is what are the in odds control. Of that? Yeah. God is in control, my my friend, and he is in ultimate control, but we're just responsible for what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a lot to what we can do that God has given us the power to do. And it's up to us whether it gets done or not. Yeah. You got to do the work. Yeah. That's, that's a reoccurring the, theme, right? That's the bitch. You yeah. Gotta, <laughs> you got to do the work. You, you do. Yeah. And, and we all know what the work is. It's just whether you're, lazy right yeah and then you have those you have those uh i I had a client in my office um a pastor of a of a a church and his wife she's the the choir director and we're talking and i'm i just felt led and i'm like uh the law of diminishing intent states that the longer you wait to take action, the less likely you will take the action because waiting feels safe, but waiting kills dreams. That's the law wow. of diminishing intent. So I'm sitting there and and he, the Holy Spirit is telling me, you need to say this because we're having great dialogue about all kinds of crazy cool things. And I said, you know what, Pastor Larry, I feel led to speak to your church. And he's like, whoa what are you talking about really yeah let's go when when do you want to put it on the schedule and i mean he was just crazy excited about it but i was having that chatterbox in the back of my brain where no why do you want to do that how what are you going to talk about you don't know anything yeah well, the committee you're not a pastor yeah you know all this negative talk yeah. and i was just like it i was overcome and it was just like i knew it i knew i needed to do it and if i didn't do it at that time i wasn't gonna do it so i made the commitment i put it on the schedule and it's gonna happen august 1st Man, that's cool. Right on, man. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, so and now, now, oh, now it's a lot of the, 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 the content has just been given to me. And I'm, I got my Evernotes and I'm just putting it in my Evernotes. Is, isn't I got this, this so yeah. wild? Uh, Jerry, how long have you been in Apex? Uh, April. April. I joined May 4th. So you jumped in right before I did. How long did, how yeah, long? I did it MD, MDM. Okay. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, man, I wanted to go to that one. I and we had tickets to go to last year's, and then last year's got canceled because of COVID. But yeah. uh, I am going. Are you going to the Apex Live meetup in August? No, okay. in August. Next time I'm going out there is uh, September. I was supposed to go out today. Actually, I should have been there today and tomorrow for uh, entrepreneurs. But um, I had we had some problems at work as far as scheduling and and people with time off and stuff, so I wasn't able to get out there. But I watched it live today. Okay. Had you, before you got into Apex, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm going to go ahead and make a guess here that this is going to be a yes answer. 
Had you thought about mm-hmm. legacy? Because I ne- I had never thought about legacy before I joined Apex. I had ne- it never even thought. I never really crossed my mind what legacy even really was until I joined Apex, and then I, I got to thinking about you know what can we do to make sure that we have a legacy. Had you really thought about legacy before you joined Apex? Yeah. Can could you hear that when it said that? Yeah. Okay. I can hear it. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. We're good. Yeah. Okay. So had had you really thought about legacy before you joined Apex? Dude, no, not at all. And and I'll tell you why. And I think that it's a generational thing. Um, like when I was growing up, money was taboo. I mean, we, we would sit at the dinner table and I and you know, I I never um, I, I didn't need for anything. You know, I had clothes on my back and food on the table, roof over my head. You know, the the four walls that Dave Ramsey talks about, you got the necessities, right? Um, so I, I never really had anything, but but I didn't have anybody to drive me to do something greater, you know, and, and until I started reading my own books and doing my own thing. But as far as like a legacy, that was never really a an imprint that was put in my world when I was growing up, you know, I, I just knew that my dad went to work and my mom stayed at home and we had food on our back or food in our bellies and clothes on our back. So I did, I never really thought that big vision stuff. And then uh, I'd say about three years ago when I started, cause I was never a big reader. I, I just, my mind would travel too fast. I couldn't, I couldn't focus on a book you know, a hardback book or paperback book, I would read and reread and reread, reread. And I just had to to do that stuff to retain the information. I I went to college, I graduated from college, but it wasn't because I was a natural scholar. It was just because of hard work. But then I was introduced to Audible. And once I started listening to Audible audio books, I was like, holy smokes, you can speed up the narrator. Yeah. 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 I'm like at 1.25. This, this cat is I'm, I'm dialed in. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Cause now I can understand Yeah, my mind's not able to travel somewhere else because they're not talking in a slow monotone voice. You know, it's just like, all right, cool. So my, on my vision board, I have a 52 to one. And what that represents is the average person reads one book a year. And I wanted to have a 52 to one advantage over everybody else. So oh, nice. That was my goal. Yeah. So I read, I read 47 or I listened to 47 books last year. And I'm I'm tracking this year for for fifty plus fifty two. So, uh, but but all the information that I've gleaned from that has given me a different perspective and what is available and what's out there. Because I was limited to my environment, just like I talked about earlier about the fleas in a jar. I was li- limited to the small farming community that I was in, and everybody just went to work at the foundry, and everybody just hung out at Bartell's bar and you know and you yeah, just stayed man. there yeah I, I get it dude I, I get it yeah. uh, like when I was a teenager I was we lived in a trailer park called Mansion Road Estates you talk about irony <laughs> and uh, and the nearest gas station was like 10 minutes away I'm not laughing at you brother I'm laughing <laughs> with you that's funny the nearest gas station was like 10, 10 minutes away or something like that you know and I kept trying to go to the gas station to get cigarettes after I'd been drinking or something I kept getting DWIs you know, and eventually I'm like, you know what? I, I gotta, I, I've got to do something different. I got on a Greyhound bus and I went to Texas. I knew I had to break through the break out of the box somehow. And, uh, I moved to Texas and, uh, lived down here for a while and then ended up back in Missouri and, and, uh, worked in a factory for, for five years and did the old, did the old lifestyle that, that I was programmed with, you know, that I was conditioned with. And then I, I, I went to broadcasting school and I said, you know what? I want to be a professional broadcaster. So when I graduated broadcasting school, I was down in Texas with my ex-wife and went and applied at the radio stations and got hired at one of the radio stations and got out of that mindset. I knew I, I knew I wanted to be able to get a broadcasting job there. You know, it was just kind of a luck of the draw thing that I got one down here at that time, you know, and and I hear you, man. I I, I and I never really thought about, you know, the flea in the jar until tonight. And that's what we are all kind of raised in. We are we are fleas in whatever jar that our parents put us in. And if our parents put us in a gigantic barrel, then we're, we can jump five feet or whatever. But if we're in a little bitty jar, it, it, it's it's crazy. We are conditioned to our environment as we are growing up. And a lot of us are never lucky enough to get out of that mindset that we are forced, that that's forced on us. And, and I want to tell, I know there's people out there listening 
that that have this this mentality and i'm gonna tell you to get the fuck off yourself because listen there's one percent of the people that don't feel this way and don't don't pose and think that you're the one percent you know we we accept it and change it and then move on you know because if you continue to do what you're doing, you're going to get the same result. And you can give, that's why I got this FYE on here. That's why you got the FYE. Fuck your excuses, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we can all say, oh, well, there's this super example of this person that's from a rags to riches story. But you know what? You, if you, wherever you live, I don't care wherever you live, you have opportunities. I've got friends that have been nothing, I got a perfect example, a guy that was I wrestled with in college. He defected from the from Russia in 1992. University of Leningrad came over and we wrestled in an international competition. And they left and he said, I'm not leaving, I'm staying. He didn't know a word of English. Had a clothes on his back and a duffel bag. He stayed. He stayed. He didn't know one word of English, didn't have any wow. money, nothing. He had a skill, a skill and a work ethic. And his skill was he was a really good wrestler, and his work ethic was he was gonna he was not gonna stop until he succeeded. But that drive is in everybody. But we want to make excuses. And you know where this cat's at now? Married, four kids, lives in a million dollar home, has a successful business. But this cat in 1992, you talk about overnight successes. It wasn't an overnight success. No, piece by piece. But he did it, and he was consistent. And, and, and he makes it happen. And, and I, I get so frustrated with people that are born in the United States and they have all the opportunity. And then just like Pedro Manessis and I talked about on my podcast. Oh, my God. His ago, story is so, so wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's like he, he threw up and I, I, I didn't validate the statistic, but I, I truly believe him. So I, know I don't have any reason to, to question it. But he said that there's more self-made millionaires that are foreigners in the United States than there are that are from the United States. I and believe that, that and, man. And, I, yeah. and I believe it because I've, I've interacted with a few people that are from other countries and they come here and they're just like, this is the land of the free and the brave. And my gosh, there's so many opportunities here. I, I wouldn't, you know, and they just don't want to stop where we're kind of, we're kind of tainted because we have a sense of entitlement because we're, we're from here. And that's so crazy. <laughs> they, they didn't have that jar. Uh-uh. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe maybe yeah. they, maybe i mean they maybe it was a different kind of jar i mean i guess we all have a jar but they they didn't have that they had a mindset when they came over here that this was the land of the free and i'm going to make something for myself and there is no limit on what i can do and you want to talk about legacy i mean there's there's your legacy i mean look at pedro i mean yeah you think about his family members that talk about him he left his home with a dream and now he's killing it and he's absolutely killing it too. Yeah, and he's killing it. And then they're they're back in Guatemala, and it's like, uh, oh man, that's great. But but the seeds that he's planting in the future generations, because great grandpa Pedro left the country and went here to the United States, and he did this, and that that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm talking about with with legacy and generational legacy. Is, is those are the things that we won't necessarily be able to see except from heaven and we'll be able to smile down on people and say, hey, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But, yeah. um, but that, that kind of legacy is, is the impact that you have on individual people's lives. And that's my, my goal, Mike, every day, every day, my one, number one goal is to make a positive influence on someone's life. There you I go. don't care who it is. I, don't, I really don't. And if I do that and I know that, then that's an L. I'm sorry. That's a W. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is this, is my life word is teacher. Okay. I, and and I, I want to I have a positive teaching opportunity with somebody somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's in the freaking John and we're talking and we say something and, and I have an opportunity. But I, I, I'm thinking that probably seven or eight times today, I had, I had conversations with people that I was able to enlighten them, make a shift in their life. You know, my vision board in my office is crazy. I never saw that coming where people would just 
walk by and I have a glass office and they're like looking at it and stopping and pausing. Sometimes people walk in, sometimes people take pictures because they want to replicate it at home. And that's great. Cause I don't, I it don't is, care. Yeah. I don't care. I, you're I want spreading that. success and, and yeah. you're spreading good messages. Yeah. Positive positivity. You know, one of the things on my vision board, it says is you, you can, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Right. And, and a lot of people scratch their head about that one. What do you mean? You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Well, you can change whether or not I hang out with them. I can't change them. They have to change themselves. So if they, if they have negativity and, and they, they're, two- not, they're not helping you grow, then you just eliminate them. It's time to move on. It's like the G code in the group yeah. one through four. You know, are you a loser? Are you a usual suspect? Well, right. Who are you? Are you good? Are you a great relationship? You know, and the top two, you need to assign a number and eliminate them. They need to go, you know, because it's not benefiting you. And you should always be with people that pull you up too, not bring you down. And, and that was when, when I, uh, when I got on the Greyhound bus and left Mansion Road Estates, I was surrounded by some people that were only pulling me down as well. And I, and I knew nothing was going to change as long as I stayed there. I knew it was always going to be the same as, as long as I was there. And I, I just wanted a fresh start. I knew I was better than the situation that I was in. I knew I had more to live for than what I was doing. But, you know, when I, when I left Mansion Road Estates and I got on that Greyhound bus and I went to Texas, I came to Texas and started doing the same damn thing I did up there because I wasn't ready yet, you yeah. know. But and then you get a little older and then you have kids and, and then life changes there and and then you really want to uh, do the best you can for your kids, and you want to be the best parent you can for your kids, and that's when that's when everything really changes, you know. And yeah, but that didn't happen for me. I mean, I I uh, I want to tell you one thing: you can't strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. So if you're a strong person, weak people are not gonna not gonna bring you down. You know, they they're they're trying to do that, and they're gonna snip at your heels, and they're always gonna say that. You know, you get the lucky breaks and you get this and that and the other thing. Well, they, they, that's just, I look at it like they're the freaking Snoopy, Snoopy cartoon parents. Are going, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. That's where you're at. Stay over here. Stay in your own lane. Just leave me alone. So it doesn't affect me. And you look up for powerful friends. So that, that's something I have on my vision board. Look up for powerful friends. You can look laterally and those are your surface people looking down, you maybe help them up. Yeah. But you're yeah, not going to hang out help them up. Yeah. You're not going to help. You're not going to hang out with them, but you want to look up for powerful friends. You want to look up for people that are more successful than you. And that, that takes a little ego check. You got to, you got to check your ego and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not the greatest. I'm not, right. you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not whatever, you know, Tony Robbins said it best. He was hanging out with millionaires and he wanted to be a billionaire. And it wasn't until Warren Buffett told him, Hey, you need to hang out with billionaires if you want to be a billionaire. And then he did. And it raised his sights. It raised his game. It changed everything. That's why in Apex, we have those three levels, you know, and within each one, and you're trying to level up to executives eventually and whatever. But just because you have kids doesn't mean that you change the inner demon in yourself because I didn't. I I went down an ugly road, man, I, and I'll tell you about it for a brief second because it's it's very relevant to the conversation. I um, after I graduated college, I was college all American. I was super successful, former Marine, all Marine wrestler. You know, I mean, I I exuded all this confidence and everything. You know, I was like I had presence and stature and yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. I bet all all the all the things that people want. You know, checked all the boxes. Well, then I couldn't find a full-time job because for whatever reason, I think people were maybe intimidated by me that I was going to take their job, which I didn't, I didn't want somebody else's job. I was married. I had a kid. I needed, a, I needed to make money. So I'm selling suits at JCPenney's. I'm substitute teaching. I'm, and I'm coaching, volunteer coaching at a local high school. And, uh, but it was just peanuts. You know, it was just peanuts money. And so I uh, approached a, a buddy of mine who was a general manager at a car dealership. I was coaching his kids. And I said, man, I need, I need a job. So long story short, he gives me a job in the car business, start selling cars, was in the car business for five years, doing really well. And 
got wooed away by some recruiter for an insurance agency. So I took a hiatus for about two and a half years to sell insurance and do investments. Well, selling something that's tangible and something that's intangible are two different games. Completely one's different like ball playing, games. One, one's like playing blackjack. The other's like playing solitaire. Yeah. So, so I'm selling insurance and I'm rookie of the year, the first year for the entire company. But I'm like, where's the fucking money? There's no money here. Where I made more money selling cars. They're like, well, you need like five years to make it, you know, and get the residual stuff. I said, dude, I got a wife, a kid, a baby on the way. You ever talk, you ever hear about the 10 stresses in life? Top 10 stresses? No. So top 10 stresses, a couple of them are this. Job change, which I did. Wife quit her job, which we did. Had another baby, which we did. Bought a house, which we did. Two new cars, which we did. All in the same time. But I'm a big badass Marine, right? I can handle it. Just jump on my back. I got you. Well, me and Absolute Citron became really close. But you know what? I was really, really good at cards, playing cards. So I started gambling. And I started running to the casino when I didn't have appointments because you didn't have appointments and you didn't make money in the insurance business. So I started running the casino and my wife didn't know. And this at that time, we live in Ohio. And at that time, the closest casino was in Windsor, Canada, which was like like 110 miles away. So I jump in my car in the morning, kiss my wife, jump in my car. She think I was going to work, go to the office. I didn't have any appointments. I drive up to the casino. I put enough money in the ashtray to get back across the ambassador bridge if I lost all my money. I was pretty calculated at the time. And then where the first bullet that whizzed past my ear was when the waitress came up to me and said, hey, Jerry, you want your regular coffee with cream? When I'm sitting at a blackjack table. And I'm like, hmm, this chick knows my name and what I like to drink. I think I've been here too much. So then... It didn't stop. Didn't stop there. This is like oh oh eight oh nine when a lot of the shit was going down with the market. And oh stuff. yeah, and the economy collapsed. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I'm not making excuses. I'm not. I'm just telling a story, which is a true story. And so I'm just trying to keep my head above water, and I'm trying to trying to do what I'm doing. And uh, so I got out of the insurance business, went back into the car business because I knew that I could make money in that. And then oh eight oh nine hit, and I'm like. What do I do nobody's, now? Nobody's nobody's yeah. buying anything, you know. Nobody's doing anything. Well, Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker as an amateur, so I'm like, I'm pretty good at poker. So I jumped on online, playing poker online with Poker Stars. And if you ever talk to a seasoned gambler, all they ever talk about is their winnings. They don't talk about their losses. They talk about how much money they won. They don't talk about how much they lost. And but they could be upside it, down when they lost when they won. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you, you, and I was, man, I, I was talking about, Oh, I won this tournament, I won 10 grand and I won this tournament. I won 15 grand, but how much money do you invest? Oh, I don't know. You know, whatever. I would, I, I wouldn't accept that and face that. Well, that escalated. So I transitioned to another place and I doubled my income, which I was making really, really good money. And I still am, but the gambling never left me. So it just justified the fact that, you know, you, you don't do anything else. You don't play golf. You don't go fishing. You don't have a boat. You don't do this. You don't do that. All you like to do is play cards. So it's justifiable. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie in the deep, dark part of your body and your soul. And it's a lie because all the devil wants to do is destroy. Yeah. And any any means possible. So I, I started... I started getting up at, I'd wake up at one in the morning, dude, 1 a.m. My wife, my daughters were sleeping and I'd sneak out of bed, go downstairs, get in my car, get a six pack of Bud Light Platinum and drive my ass to the casino. This was Detroit and then Toledo eventually. This went on for years and I would gamble until 
whatever time. And then I knew the clock. I knew what time I needed to leave so I could get back home before my wife woke up. And then I would sneak back in the house and she had no nothing. You know, she didn't know the wiser. And this is where uh, the breakthrough moment happened for me. I was, it was a Saturday and it was like 2.30 in the morning. And I was one exit away from the casino and my phone rang. And it was my 17-year-old daughter, who's my oldest daughter. And it popped up her name on my, my screen because it's a Bluetooth. I didn't want to answer the phone, dude, because I knew what was, hap- what was happening. You know, it was like that pit in your stomach. Yeah. And it was like, okay. So I answered the phone. And she said, what are you doing? And they knew all along what I was doing, but they just let me figure it out. And I was one exit away from going to what was calling me. And I told her, I said, I'm turning the car around. And I never went back. Wow. Is that a pug? Uh, or is that your cat? He's a... Oh, that's your cat. Okay. He's a, it's my wife's cat. I'm not a cat guy, but this is, <laughs> this is Winnie. Okay. <laughs> sorry, man. I, sorry. You just told me. No, that's, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> He just cool. told this extremely powerful story, and then and then your cat jumps on the screen. Yeah, he's purring though. He's happy about me telling the story. That's a dude. That is an awesome story. And you knew right then it was it was it. Yeah, it was it, it and it and it yeah. came it came to that head, and and I knew all along because, like I said about earlier in our conversation, you know, we know right from wrong, and that's what I yeah. taught all these kids. And what's crazy is that you find if you really, really look in introspectively about who you are, a lot of the stuff that we teach other people are things that we struggle with ourselves and yeah. the things that we need to address. I've noticed and, that, man. I, I go yeah. to, and I, I start saying all this stuff and I'm like, man, I need to do this myself. I need to get better at this myself. When I, when I say it, I, I check myself and, and it does help with that as long as you do it. You got to do it though. That's the thing. You yeah, have you got to do the work and you got to yeah. commit to it and you got to do it. You know, talk is cheap. You prove our results. Yeah. That's the reality of it. But yeah, that, that, uh, that was the beginning of the turning point And uh, then the revelation of what I needed to do as a father, as a husband and uh, as, as a mentor and as an example um, that I was, I was living a very destructive lifestyle that was heading the very wrong direction. And God shot a couple zingers by my ears and that one hit me right between the eyes. And it was, it was time and I made the change. And it's awesome, Jerry. It's, it's, I mean, it's still there, but I, but I've, I've been able to, um, and, and I, and I've rationalized, not rationalized, that's a wrong word, but I've been able to come to grips with why that happened. And what I've come to understand, and maybe some of the listeners can understand this, is when you're at the ultimate high, because I was an elite athlete, and then I was put into a position from being a superstar to struggling. And I needed that, that uh, whatever that was, that, that, that feeling of, of success. Yeah. And I wasn't getting it from my job. I wasn't getting it from competing because I hung up my shoes and I, I don't want to take away from the relationship with my wife and my kids because that had zero to do with it. It was something right. that I need to do, do for myself as a man. And that's why I, I was drawn toward that. And that was the devil's lie. in in my opinion, that was trying to manipulate me to go down this road that he knew that he could take me to destroy me. And it took my 17-year-old daughter to kick me in the gut to say, what are you doing for me to have the light bulb finally turn on so bright that there was no turning back? And then I made that change. Man, that's that's wild, man. That's awesome. That phone call. Were were you ready though when you got that call? Were you already no. having second thoughts? No, 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 no. I was, I was. That was dude, a shocker. Was five. I was five beers in, man, and that Bud Light Platinum six percent. I was, I was fucked up. 
I shouldn't have been driving. I shouldn't have been. I mean, like I said, it was a d- destructive lifestyle. I yeah. was, I was yeah. not, I was not there. Yeah. There's more was, than just the gambling that goes along with it. There's a whole, whole bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm in a recovering alcoholic, man. Uh, it's been, it'll be, uh, nine years since I had a drink in three days on Sunday. It'll be nine years since I've had a drink. And in my life has changed so much since that day. And I, I have kind of a similar story. Um, you know, uh, it was, it was, I wasn't expecting to quit drinking. It was just something clicked. And ever since that day, I haven't had a drink. And that's, a, that's awesome. Congratulations. Grace there, man. There was, yeah, there was, there yeah, was grace. hundred percent, you know, and I'm so lucky that that happened because a lot of people that never happens or they ignore it, you know, and I'm, I'm so grateful that that happened. And man, that's awesome that that happened with you. That that's really awesome, Jerry. Uh, all right, we're, we uh, this is usually about a thirty minute podcast, and we're at about uh, about an hour four here. So <laughs> I think Sorry. we're great. Right. <laughs> oh no, man, it's been great, man. I I really enjoyed this last hour, Jerry. And uh, do you have any final thoughts as far as mastering your legacy? So yeah, I, I suppose I, I I guess I would say that uh, you know we're not promised tomorrow. You know, and, and too many times what we do is, is as we get older, we think about how life travels so fast, but it's not. We, we force our mind into that next thing. And we're thinking about the next thing next week, next, the next thing that goes on. And so it, it's, it's like, man, you snap your fingers. You know, my high school wrestling coach told me, he said, when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, he's like, if you can look at yourself like you're on the top of the hill of a roller coaster and you're just graduating high school and then shoosh, you go to the bottom and then you wake up and you're 40. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's so true, but you got to live through that to understand it. And if, if any of the listeners can understand this, yeah. that we're not promised tomorrow, man. And, and yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. And the present is what's important. And if you can slow down and appreciate what, you, what you're going through right now and what you have and consider it pure joy, whether that's a trial, whether that's a joy, whether that's a, something that's just neutral, that's where life's at. Because as you get older, you realize that life is a true gift. It is. And for you to be able to get up and breathe and stand upright and put your feet on the floor and just to live another day, you need to be grateful and grateful for what you have. And uh, if anybody's not doing uh, some kind of a gratitude kind of thing every day, you need to start doing that, you know, and write it down on a piece of paper. You know, we have the, the, the G code app where you can do those things and you can put those things in. What are you thankful for? And for anybody out there, for? it's gcodeapp.com, right? Yeah. And it's a free app. And yeah. and it's actually it's not it's not G Code app. I always get this mixed up. It's all my it's saved on my home screen on my phone. It's dailygcode.com. Daily G code. There you go. Yeah. Daily G code. Drewby did it for me. I, I'm not a technology guy, so you're lucky I'm even here. But uh it's free, hundred yeah, percent free. Daily G code, yeah. but but the but the point is 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 to is to document what you're grateful for. Yeah, because too many times we're the the chatterbox, as I call it, is that little voice in the back of your head is telling what you're not and what you don't have, and then social media is is bad for that too because you spend a lot of time in Facebook and social media and you see what all these other people have and what they're doing, and and that doesn't that's not the reflection on what you don't have. You need to look and. You know, do you have four walls? Do you, do you have a roof over your head? Do you, do you have food on the table? Do you have clothes on your back? Those are the things that we need to sustain and survive. And that's what we're, as human beings, that's what we do. But to be grateful for what you have right now is a true gift. It is. And if you can, if you can really intentionally think about that kind of stuff, then you're going to live a fulfilled life. And that's what we're after. Everybody's after fulfillment in one way or another. That's, that's the bottom line. So if there's anything that I can leave here is live in the present and and appreciate what you have instead of trying to covet what other people have. Just appreciate where you're at. And God has a plan for your life and everybody has a gift and everybody has a story and all those gifts that you've been given, don't bury them in the backyard. Utilize those gifts. Yeah, find out what those gifts are and 
use them to you know, your, we, your you know what advantage. your gift yeah. is everybody knows what your gift is yeah. you know what it is it's whether you suppress it and rationalize it away because of this reason or that reason or the other reason and that's that's again the chatterbox telling you well what, what do you think you know I, right. I want to be on stage i want to be a motivational speaker i want to do this i want to i want to grow this business to crazy great things and because i want to make an impact on people's lives but you know it's 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 the force of averages Stuman puts it that it's always trying to squash you and tell you that you, you you're not good enough. You you shouldn't be. Why why do you think you should be able to do that? Well, you're not this person. You know what? We don't need to impact billions of people on the earth. We just need to impact a few people, and then that's where your legacy is going to grow. Because as you impact those people, guess what? They're going to impact other people. Yeah, and, and other people are going to exponentially grow. Ripple effect or tsunami yeah. effect, as I like to as I you know like to call it. Yeah. Hundred percent, and it starts with those right around you. It does, and and every day consistently. Yeah. So if if I could leave anything, it's just yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. That's all. I never heard that before, Jerry. That's awesome. All right, JerryGerkin dot com is your website. Now, yeah. how how the hell did you get JerryGerkin dot com? If you're not very technical, because I'm one of the most technical people out there. And I can't get MikeTaylor.com. So how did you get your, you your get name's you? too familiar. There's a lot of Mike <laughs> Taylors out there. It's probably a domain. That's already somebody's probably gathered. But one, one of the, one of the big things that I've, I've been blessed with is the um, gift of delegation. So I understand, I understand, I understood at a young age uh, or young part of my career that I'm really good at a couple things, but there's, people that are really good at other things. And I just would reach out to them and utilize their help or assistance yeah. and utilize them because, because I, I can't, I can't do it. I, I know where I'm good and I delegate the rest. All right, man. Uh, Jerry is your website address and the Jerry Gherkin show is your podcast. So if you haven't checked out the Jerry Gherkin show, go ahead and, and check that out. And uh, you said you're 54 episodes in now. Uh, 64. 64 episodes into this podcast. So how long have you been doing that podcast now? Uh, since February of 2020. So it was pre-pandemic, which was kind of weird because we didn't, I didn't, obviously nobody saw the pandemic coming, but it was timely. And then I was able to get a lot of different guests. Oh, I bet. Because Zoom. Zoom blew up right then and everything. Yeah, Zoom nobody really even heard of Zoom before that. No, and no, then, it, it, was, yeah. it was really uh, a divine intervention, if you will, because uh, I've been able to have a lot of quality and we get our kicks out of watching people succeed and the success yeah. stories are amazing. And there's a lot of great uh, content in those. And uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm the host. I'm just saying that because the guests bring a lot of great content, yeah, man. a lot of great insight. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for uh, being on episode four of the Master Your Legacy podcast. I really do appreciate you taking the time for this tonight. And uh, this is the first time we'd ever met before, too. So it's been very good to meet you tonight, Jerry. And uh, let's keep on kicking ass, man. My pleasure. So. I appreciate the opportunity, Mike.